para que esta conversación fluya, para que tenga verdad, para que tenga espíritu, para que tenga cojones y vulvas. Y vulvas. <ríe> Porque estamos frente a la vulva es imposible no tener reverence para lo que somos y para lo que estamos aquí a hacer. Great. Bueno. Pregunta. Dale. ¿Lo hablamos en español o en inglés? Es <laughs> una buena pregunta. I, I don't know. Why do we just trust that whatever comes out? Caro, you are my first guest. Yeah. <laughs> You're the first person I'm going to have an incredible conversation with. Yeah. I'm very excited. And it's very funny that I ask you what language should we speak in? Because it almost feels like there are so many different languages that mm -hmm. are beyond what we speak. Yeah. I feel you know very well, mm. like design, um, spirituality, mm. your gut. <laughs> And it would be amazing to start with a little introduction. Mm-hmm. Who you are. <laughs> of course. Um, so thanks, Daniela, for having me. Uh, I feel very um, excited and honored to be your first guest. And for those of you listening, to give you a bit of what's the scene, we have a backdrop of a giant vulva behind us. Uh, we have a candle. We have a Palo Santo that we burnt um, in honor of what's about to happen here. And we have matcha latte on a unicorn cup and on a cup that is full of moons. So if this is your vibe, then you're totally in the right place. If you're like, what the fuck is this? Then <laughs> you might want to change the, the podcast now. <laughs> Or just stick around either way. <laughs> my name is Caro Gomez and I am the founder of the Mayan School of Embodiment. And my purpose really in life is to bring the wisdom of the Mayas. So I am originally from El Salvador and bringing this wisdom to this part of the world, to the Western world, is uh, super important for me because this is how we keep it alive. And I've done it all my life in some way or other through fashion, through textiles, through ceremony, through rituals, through dancing. But I think what makes it different from what's out there is that I bring a level of sophistication and moder modernity to something that can be seem like it's it's only from the past and I'm really interested in in bringing the present and the future into that world and how we can use it to build better lives better businesses joyful lives and joyful businesses I mm. think is really super important for me um An okay life is 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 not is not okay in my book. And it's so incredible that this is what your purpose is and that you've had you it's been a journey, right? Like reaching this. Mm. And it's been non-linear. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> you ask really interesting questions about what it is to bring traditions into the now. Mm -hmm. especially into the West. And I have many conflicting views about it. I think in part it's maybe me feeling that I don't have a voice in it. And I'm just really curious to know, mm. what is it about your past that connected to you right now 
mm. for you to bring it in into your work and into your life like this. Yeah. Um, so I think what's really fascinating for me is that if I think back at, um, you know, my life growing up in El Salvador, I grew up in El Salvador for 18 years and then I mm. left. I'm 38 now, so almost half of my life there and half of my life in this part of the world. And I always loved learning about the Mayas, indigenous culture in general. I, like you, never felt I had a voice because, I mean, I feel in my bones there is a deep connection to that world because I can start crying just at the thought of what happened, you know, in terms of colonization. I can start crying just at the actual experience I had of going to Tikal and standing in front of one of the magnificent temples they built and just feel in totally disarmed by something like that. So to me, I can't show you I have a certificate that says, oh, I am connected to this mm -hmm. world. But the tears and the way my body disarms itself whenever I think about those things or talk about those things or read about those things or connect to it in, in ceremony and ritual, that's much more potent than any certificate or DNA test that I could have. And that has always been there with me since I was a little girl. I remember being 12 and uh, we had a national history class and I never understood about colonization. That was the first time that I understood what colonization was. And I remember I went back home after reading about what had happened, you know, like how the Spaniards came over and um, it seemed okay at first, but then it turned into a, a battle of uh, resources as it, as it tends to be with these things. And I got home and I started crying and I didn't understand why I was crying. I, it just seemed really unfair to me. That was the thing Like it was, this is unfair. You know, it was an, an, an injustice, but I didn't have anyone to talk to or to uh, kind of go like, why do I feel like this? You know, like, why is this getting to me in this way? Like, I don't understand. And as a 12 year old, you know, you just don't understand. And this is something that being in a community of elders would have helped, you know, or someone that I could have gone, what's going on? Maybe they would have said like, I don't fucking know. And that, but that's fine. But mm -hmm. I think it's like, that felt so lonely that I kind of went, oh, maybe this is nothing. And I'm just exaggerating or being dramatic or being, I don't know, dramatic, I think was the thing that I took. And so it's like, okay, let's shut that down. Let's just put that, let's park that and mm. not think about it because I don't know how to handle it. And then going forward, you know, in life, it's always something that came back to me through the use of textiles. So the way I see it now is that I think my soul, my spirit found a way to connect to that world, not through the spiritual path initially, but through design and creativity. As I grew and found a way to reconnect with my creativity, I was like, oh, this feels amazing. And this feels like I'm connecting to something much bigger. And so now over the past five years, it's been through textiles and through design and through craftsmanship and artistry that I have brought that back. And then through that path, I've ended up where I was when I was 12. Mm -hmm. It's like, why is this still so alive in me? Mm -hmm. 
but just to say that is a very nuanced thing is not that I claim in the way other people would claim you know what do you mean by that do you mean like cultural is that where you're yeah 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 exactly okay yeah 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 say a bit more yeah so I think in this day and age many people including myself have been really careful about what we say around these things or what we can do or what we are allowed to to call ours you know one of the things that we spoke very early on Daniela was around how I reconnected with my spirituality through really incredible women here in the west it wasn't through you know people back home or anything like that it, it wasn't a thing really i didn't you know I, it didn't i didn't grow up around it it was something i searched and it was something i was curious about and it was something that i loved when i did have the opportunity to connect especially traveling to guatemala as a kid i remember that always felt like going back home but i never had any guidance from anyone it was through women i met here in the uk in Canada actually it's one of my first mentors she's an incredible woman and you know she's she's white and i think i carried a lot of shame around that for a long time it was like oh shit i i thought i was supposed to learn this stuff from the people back home not from women here and and so i questioned that so much that's interesting because I just happened to have a mother who was into alternative medicine. She went to two friends of hers that own a bee farm. And through them, this woman from the jungle would do reflexology on me Mm -hmm. during this time that I was really struggling. Mm -hmm. And through her, I learned so much about spirituality. Mm -hmm. And then for me... Well, her her form of spirituality, the way that she lives her life in the jungle, the way that she relates to plants, to to natural medicines, to living really outside of the city. And she just went to the city to survive, to make money. For me, it was really crazy to leave Peru when I was 19 and then in New York and in the UK to encounter so many people that did ayahuasca ceremonies and, and, and did like Burning Man. Yes. <laughs> and, oh my God, yes. Yeah, yeah. And burned Palo Santo. Mm-hmm. And I was I was shocked. And I, I, I don't think I've ever said this properly mm-hmm. before, but it really shocked me the first time I met someone who told me that they did ayahuasca in a basement in London. <laughs> and my first thought was, what the hell are you doing? You're not even meant to take ayahuasca out of the Amazon. Out of the Amazon. Why is it here? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And oh, yes. It's crazy. Even when I studied literature and during this period, realizing that in Latin America, our literature has been called magical realism. Mm-hmm. Because through a realist perspective from Europe... They couldn't really understand why there was so much magic within the lives of all of these characters, almost as if it was just fantasy, but then it really isn't. Yeah. So it's really, really interesting because I don't think many people grow up with this closeness to the natural, just 
um, sabiduría. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, the natural wisdom that exists in the region. It's only because of this woman. She's the only one that I met growing up who would freely share this information with me. Wow. So, okay, I'm really curious. Mm. With your journey, with your progression, why is it important for you living here? Mm. Why is it important for you to bring all of this indigeneity? Is that mm. the right word? I don't know. Indigeneity? Possibly. I ask this question because you say that you learned about this mm. through white women. Mm -hmm. And there's so much backlash yeah. to all of these things. Mm -hmm. So, or how it is that this thing sparked this within you? I was going to say, I wish I had like a really clever answer to these questions. To be honest, I just feel so in awe of our world yeah. and this idea of talking about it and being super proud of it, of where I come from, of where, you know, where we come from. It's about saying, You try to tell us that we were savages and the third world. And I'm kind of saying, you got this all wrong. Yeah. Like, this is why we see so many white women going back to Latin America to take ayahuasca, to do psilocybin ceremonies, um, to go to Tikal, to go to do fire ceremonies, cacao ceremonies, mm -hmm. like all these things. I mean, there is a reason why it's such a pull. And the same with, with you know, like yoga and Buddhism and India. I mean, it's the same, right? Like we're, you know, talking of opposite sides of the world. But, but there is a reason why. And partly it's because there has been so much destruction here in this part of the world with their own spirituality, the burning of the witches. That was a massive thing that, They, they took all, all the secrets and the magic with it when that happened, when that inquisition happened. And, and then it was extended into the rest of the colonies, i.e. Latin America. So, of course, you know, there's so a lot of women here are so lost. And I say women, people here, humans are so lost because all of that was taken away. And so I believe that a natural curiosity that we have as human beings is to want to connect to something higher, something that we can't explain, something that we can't see, you know, God, universe, whatever you want to call it. And so they come to our part of the world where that is pretty much still alive. And some people welcome them with open arms and say, yeah, come, because if more people are, are aware of this and are connected to something much higher, they're going to be better human beings. Yeah. Other people are like, fuck you, you're from like the, you know, your ancestors took away and destroyed everything from us. So you don't have the right to be here. Mm. I stand somewhere in the middle of those two views. I believe in the, in the myth of the condor and the eagle. And the eagle is the representation of the mind, of in industry, of planning of getting things done of like precision and condor is representation of the heart the soul the spirit uh community all these like more for lack of a better term feminine sort of qualities and 
when those two come together, that's when you get the birth of some version of a higher consciousness that I think, in my view, and from what I'm learning, is what's happening now. That we're getting this crossover where it's not like one extreme or the other. It's like, can we talk about and dance in the dance floor of nuance and talk about these things and see where we are in alignment and where we are not? I'm an advocate for that kind of spirituality, Mm. uh, for that kind of conversation. Yeah, when when we spoke a few weeks ago, you said something that stuck with me, that everyone has indigenous roots mm-hmm. and that it's not necessarily tied to where you are from in the world. Mm-hmm. I Well, I carry a necklace from Egypt that mm-hmm. means everything to me because it reminds me of my mother. Because mm-hmm. when I was little, she just gave me a lot of books about ancient Egypt and I read a lot about mythology, mm-hmm. the significance of the of the escarabajo. Scarab. Scarab? Scarab? I think it's scarab. Beetle? Oh, yeah. Okay. Possibly. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) That was a very interesting comment because I've always, I've always felt a lot of tension when I've heard people from here, from Europe, from the U.S., Talk about returning to your indigenous roots, Mm -hmm. returning to the way of life, the indigenous way of life. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's always put me on edge because, Mm -hmm. first of all, I don't really know what they mean. Mm -hmm. It also almost felt almost like saying, look at these people that live in the Amazon, that live in cottages, look at the kids live in the mountains and they're happy because they don't need much whereas we live in this industrialized world and we're so unhappy Mm. we keep on wanting more and more is never satisfying Mm -hmm. so to me it always felt like part of the reality within latin america was being used as a way to create this idea that is unfair Mm -hmm. I also don't really fully know how I feel about cultural appropriation. I want to think that I also have a space outside of Latin America because I I like travel. Mm-hmm. I like cultures. Mm-hmm. I love learning. And everyone I meet that's not from Peru gives me a very different perspective of the world. And I think mm-hmm. that is incredibly valuable. Mm-hmm. And at the same time, I feel almost possessiveness of people going into the country that I was born in and doing photos or looking for sacred information, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) searching for other ways of living that I, I just don't know if they're being misused. It's a dichotomy, isn't it? And it's very like contradictory. It's like, I want I want to have the experience of cultures myself, but also don't like mess up mine. <laughs> don't mess with mine. Not in that way. I mean, ultimately, like who has the the permissions, you know, like where is that line where 
um, you know, like say if you went to Egypt, right? Yeah. And you started to explore Egyptian uh, mythology and went to the pyramids and had a ceremony there with someone who who understands and leads the the ceremony and you participated. Like, is that okay? Like, is that like cultural appropriation? <laughs> you know, like we can get into these really kind of small boxes of what's allowed and is it less bad you know in quotation marks because you are from peru versus someone who is from a white person who is from the london for example or you see what i mean like i always justified it in my mind saying uh-huh. at least i'm not a white person <laughs> Oh my God, yeah, yeah. And you know what? You're probably not the only person who uses that as a justification to why it's okay if I do it, but not okay if you do it. And I I mean, I would be really interested to to, to hear people's opinion on yeah, that. I've actually had a really powerful spiritual experience in a mosque. The energy that I feel in mosques does not compare to anything else. And it's really bizarre. Mm-hmm. And for the longest time, I thought I even actually went into my ancestry. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Always the ancestors. Yes. And I started researching, thinking there has to be a part of me that came from the Middle East, because this makes no sense. Yeah. In a church, I don't feel anything. Yeah. In temples, I really don't feel much. Mm. I'm in awe of temples but it doesn't move me internally yeah mosques they just something happens something happens and that see i'm getting goosebumps (laughs) as you're saying that because to me that is important and i think that we get so caught up in the way we look and where our birth certificate is from that we ignore these really visceral experiences i mean i i get you like that's when you asked me earlier you know like what was the experience or what happened it's like that kind of visceral that you have no explanation for but you feel it i can't ignore that like it's my body you know and the body you know the body knows before the mind and so that to me is is like why are we not giving weight to that? And I know like many people will then go like, well, then, yeah, every white person will go like, oh, but I feel it in my body that I am Indian from, you know, Cherokee or something. Like I've heard these things. I understand that feeling because you're saying it, you've had it. I've experienced it with different setting, but I've I've experienced it. So what makes someone's experience less valid? Is it the color of their skin? Is it where they were born? Is it that they have no, as far as we can tell, ancestral connection to that land? And then ultimately, if we go way back, you know, before colonization, like, where, what were the people there, you know, before that and before that and before that? Like, we, you know, we all come from the same place ultimately. And this is like what others would call, oh, but you're bypassing, you know, like... And it's like, no, I'm having a conversation about something that can't be, you know, described in an Instagram post by two lines that if you're burnt out, you're colonized. It's not as straightforward as that. It's not as as clear cut, you know, as that. Mm-hmm. It's like one of the things that I've been personally sort of navigating is this idea that because I rejected my Spanish side, right? Like, I know I have Spanish blood in me, like most of us do, (laughs) you know, a lot of it, actually. And I remember I was like super 
I don't even want to go to Spain. Fuck them. You know, <laughs> like, I was like, and my mom is obsessed with going to Spain. There was no clear explanation, you know, for that. It was just like, I'm supposed to not like them. You know, I'm supposed to, because of what they did, you know, like, and now as I've grown older, it's like, well, hold on a minute. Let's look at that, you know, because it's not as straightforward as that. Right. Like it's not as straightforward. And, you know, one of my ancestors, my great grandfather, he was a Spanish priest for the longest time. I would speak about all my ancestors, you know, all the nice ones. But I would never speak about the unpopular ones because fuck them. You know, <laughs> like what do they have to teach me? And the truth is embracing him and having a conversation with him and like looking at his photograph and being like, you know, I'm going to sit with this discomfort and see what this discomfort has to tell me has been incredible because it's like in rejecting him, I was rejecting a part of myself. And so now I'm like, oh, I'm really curious about this middle part, this blended middle, you know, where we're not one, we're not the other, but we're somewhere in between. Which is the, you just described the history of Latin America. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And it's hard because we all have this blend. If you're from Latin America, you have this blend mm. and you can't ignore it. Yeah. You know, like there there are people that are in in just different capacities mixed with Europeans, with North American, mm. uh West African, mm. North African. Yeah. The the native people that lived before the Spanish arrived. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And it's it's fascinating that we that that it had such an impact on us that it's still very much alive mm. every day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I'm like Where do we meet where we look at what we have in common versus what we have in not common? Yeah, difference. Yeah, exactly. Like you, when I came here and I would go to, um, say, I don't know, some sort of spiritual something, you know, nothing biggie, because at the time I was still kind of like getting to know my own spirituality. But And I would see, you know, this beautiful, you know, um, woman come in and, and, and start drumming and start burning the Palo Santo or the sage, you know, like all these things and the, and the singing bowls and the gong, you know, like this is all from like all over the world, right? This is, and on the one hand, I would benefit greatly from all of those things because I would feel, you know, I would feel what, what was coming up and all of that. And on the other hand, it, it did also upset me because a part of me wanted to be that person, you know, and also it also upset me because um, you, you wanted to lead the ritual. Yeah. Yeah. That, that was a very, you know, personal thing. Like I was like, am I upset because of all the bits that are going on here that I'm feeling she's appropriating or is it because I would love to be the one leading the ritual and the ceremony so a part of it was that you know and I can admit to that very gratefully now because it taught me so much about what I wanted in life and then the other part was yeah around like do you like I was questioning and I still do actually um do you understand like how 
um, Palo Santo works you know do you understand that it it needs to rest on the ground from like seven to ten years in order for it to become what we use it for i don't know if she did or not it, it was never vocalized you know going back to what's appropriate and what's not it's like you need to vocalize these things like you need to vocalize where they come from do you understand where these things come from do you understand that that it's not all the palo santo tree that you can just chop around and take you know that there is like a ritual behind it and equally i know that there are people in ecuador and peru that they do use palo santo to sell to people here it's a good business it's a good business and feeds their families and so, so it is not a straightforward thing to make it so kind of, oh, you can't use Palo Santo because it's cultural appropriation. Like, well, but let, let's look at where it comes from and why it's gotten to a point where you here are using it. For the people who are here to look in their backyard and see what is local to them, smudging or using herbs to cleanse the space is not just something we do in Latin America. It's, it's done all over the world. You know, this is not like, it's mine. <laughs> like, so, and, and I question, you know, do you know what you can burn here? Is it lavender? Is it rosemary? I mean, I don't know. I haven't experienced that in any ceremony led by a person from here. So there's an invitation. <laughs> and equally, Palo Santo doesn't even grow in Central America. It grows in South America. So is that a cultural appropriation thing or is it not because we're in the same region? I guess in theory, it would be no because it's Latin America. Mm -hmm. But then what does even Latin America mean? <laughs> All countries are so different. Yes. Culturally. Yeah. Culturally as so well. Yeah. And that's the other thing, right? We're kind of one big blob. Exactly. As far as people from outside is concerned. We all speak Spanish, we dance, we have nice hair. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think for me, what stands out is that Palo Santo is a business. Like Palo Santo isn't something that the people that offer it to the world for export mm. are going like, here, take, you know, <laughs> take from me. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Enjoy spirituality. Yeah. No, that's not what they're doing. They're selling Palo Santo. Mm. So there is an energy exchange. Yeah. I think the intentions are good to highlight, okay, maybe we are taking way more than what they are receiving. Mm -hmm. Because yes, deforestation is a thing. Mm. The Amazon is so important. Mm. Without it, we can't survive. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> And at the same time, we do need money to live. And what even does it mean to stick to indigenous traditions when indigenous people are people? Yes. Indigenous people need to live, yeah. need to be able to feed themselves because we're all people. <laughs> like we all need to make money. Yes. We all need to care for our health. That means physical and spiritual. And we all need to have a purpose. Mm. So what even is this message of let's return to indigenous practices? Mm. Because we're not returning to the jungle. Right. To the 10th 
century. <laughs> you know, we're not going back in time. Mm -hmm. We're all collectively moving forward. Yeah. So, yeah. I I did a a bit of study on development and international affairs and all of that. And something that I always had conflict with was particularly this subject of to what extent can indigenous communities actually develop past the traditions, mm -hmm. past crafts, you know, past mm -hmm. making bowls or past mm -hmm. making necklaces. And it's almost as if people that fit within this label mm. are not even allowed to have a phone. But they do, by the but way. But they do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. I, you know, I was in the jungle with a shaman for the in January, and he has his phone, exactly. <laughs> and so did his wife and the apprentice shaman. And the one I'm apprenticing with has a very nice car and a nice house, and you know, and uh, his he speaks English, uh, Maya Kiche, Spanish. He's a lawyer as well, and he's also a shaman. And you know, and it's like a really interesting thing and I think you you said it just now you said what what does that even mean now because we're so globalized right we're so connected by the internet and all the like we're no longer separate tribes and communities you know we're also in, interconnected and and I think that that idea of the indigenous person who's like all-knowing wisdom wise and wonderful and plinky plonky and clean is a very um i was gonna say whitewash idea but just washed idea i don't think that's relative to a race i think that that's generally some people may really think that you know and the way you see depict depictions of indigenous people is very much around the the wisdom all-knowing image and and also the image of poverty yes which mm -hmm. to me it, it just it bothers me yeah mm -hmm. it really bothers me mm -hmm. because images can define how a person is treated how a person is seen yeah and that's i think really important to look at and reflect mm. i've i've told you this a few weeks ago that i struggled with the image of a traditional indigenous person in Peru. Mm -hmm. Because I don't see how constantly sharing same images of kids without shoes actually tells the story of a country within a continent mm -hmm. that holds really different groups of people. Yeah. That are all interconnected and trying to find their place within that society. Yeah. Mm that's that's it isn't it it's like again going back to that general description of what someone from a country should look like or be like or behave like or believe in it's so generic isn't it some of my friends don't connect to any of these things that i'm talking about most of them actually and that's okay like you know that's allowed and equally i do know and i you know i want to kind of make sure i say this that there is still a lot of um seeing less than to people who are from indigenous backgrounds or who look 
of indigenous descent. We have very derogatory terms for people like that look lit like that. And we use them almost as like a funny insult or something, you know, in Spanish. And, um, you know, yeah. Yeah. And and that's not okay, by the way. Like, um, you know, I... And equally, it takes a lot of personal power to say to your friends or someone who you love, please, can you not use those terms in front of me because I don't appreciate them. And that's within our own little country, right? Like I'm talking about El Salvador here, the city of San Salvador. So, I mean, and that's just a very small thing, but I can imagine to your point of like so many different groups in a in a country that is part of a continent, you know, it, it's like it's so many differences that then when you're here, though, in the UK or in the West, as they would say, um, they all feel like the same thing. You know, it's just all the same. Someone said to me on a post on Instagram, oh, well, you should be more respectful because two spirit people are part of indigenous communities. And I can see in your bio that you speak about shamanism. So you should know what they have done in indigenous communities. And I'm just like, the two spirit term is is very specific to some tribes in North America and the North of Europe, that term two spirit. It's, it's not a generic thing that all indigenous communities from all over Central and South America use. I don't know what that is. Exactly. <laughs> to to my point. Yeah. So two-spirit meaning female, uh, male, you know, whatever the way, you know, transgender women or transgender men. But um, when you speak to, say, my, the shaman who I'm apprenticing with, he's just, he said exactly the same. He was like, what? What is that? <laughs> and so I kind of explained and he was like, the way he understood it in my explanation was, yeah, we all have male and female energy, all of us. Is that what you mean? And I was like, I'll take that. Yeah. It's also mm. interesting because in the end, we're, it's reached the point in, in the way that we interact with each other that everything needs to be categorized. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I don't think that's a necessity mm-hmm. if we're talking about going back to indigenous roots a lot of it in the in my understanding was guided by intuition mm-hmm. logic mm. being part of a community mm-hmm. caring for one another for one another yeah and in in peru the people that have grown up knowing a bit more about the incas and that feel very strongly about the past, mm-hmm. will always highlight how the Incas had basically three rules, that you will not be lazy, mm-hmm. you will not kill, and that you will... I'm blanking. <laughs> <laughs> and that you will basically be an active member of society because you're an organism. Yeah, That's really what the Tawantin Suyo was. For me, that is all I need to know about how I relate to people. It's... It's almost like restricting ourselves in trying to find definitions of things that really just need to flow with respect for each other, Mm -hmm. for resources, for time, which in our world, time and money is linked to energy. Mm -hmm. And that's, I think, one of the best ways to live. It's like basically don't be an asshole. Not being an asshole is a pretty succinct way to live in a way, you know, like, I guess it goes back to that thing of um, 
that I really appreciated in learning now that I was in Guatemala, learning from the shamans there is like, we want to clean up the spiritual world so much in the West, you know, <laughs> and I see your face kind of resonating like, oh my God, yeah. You know, we want to clean it. We want to make it really clean and really plinky plonky. I keep using that word because in my mind it feels like shiny and like, you know, and um, and the cleanse and the detox and the thing. And what I learned from the shamans there, which was so refreshing. And so like, yes, I can, my body can relax knowing that and seeing that is that that's not it at all like the wife of the shaman who was loved his wife because she had a beer at 10 a.m had another beer at 2 p.m and we had the ceremony in the evening she'd probably had a couple by that time and the work that she did was incredible was in the context it was in the setting it was we were in a temple it was at night you could see the stars we had a fire um the 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 words that were being used the the ritual of it all it was just incredibly powerful and she didn't do a detox before she went into the ceremony you know it was just her like doing her life doing her thing like she would she had lunch she had yeah she had her beer she smoked a puro in el medio de la jungla i mean it was like it really disintegrated for me this whole idea of purity and cleanliness and i've read in the secrets of the talking jaguar that you don't want too much cleanliness because spirit doesn't like it when it's too clean and i was like that's amazing <laughs> <laughs> that really you know it really resonated with me that idea um and he writes about a commu uh, mayan community not not the same tribe a different tribe yeah, because spirituality doesn't need to fit into a specific way of it looking or being or feeling. Yes, I really <laughs> resonate with that because I thought you did. And that's the thing that I learned here, you know, which is the undoing for me, uh, which was it had to be a certain way. Maybe you had to be a vegan or a vegetarian at least. You don't drink, you know. You're describing me right now. <laughs> But, you know, and, and if that's your way of doing it, then that's totally cool. But it was presented to me and the way I received it was like, this is the only way. And it's not. You can drink Negronis. You can love beautiful spaces uh, that are interiors that are super cool and, and do amazing things in those kinds of places. Because I'm kind of done with the with the idea of the struggling Latin American immigrant with that label. And I love that you shared those three rules for the Incas because the Mayas also have a similar, and I, I say Maya Quiche actually, and maybe specific. They have similar thing um, where they have, you know, you won't lie, um, you won't kill. Uh, and, they, and it sounds a bit like the seven deadly sins, except that seven deadly sins have um, sex and food, you know, that you won't kind of be, you know, lust and gluttony or like one of the seven deadly sins. But it's not a thing. No. Yeah, no, yeah. In, no. in the Mayan culture, it's 
this is not a thing. They're then, like, those are human needs. Thing. And do you also have pottery depicting? Yeah, 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 yeah. Loads. You have mushrooms in the shape of penises. <laughs> yes. Like loads, actually. In Mexico, in the so- southern part, they found loads of that. And <laughs> different, you know, and orgies and things. And it's like, it's not a thing. Like, yes. it's just not a thing. In fact, I think that maybe the Incas and the pre-Incas, because the Incas colonized all of the different civilizations that exist. They basically. did, yes. <laughs> I think maybe they were non-monogamous. Yeah, I think so. <laughs> yep. That that label of the struggling Latin American immigrants is a tough mm. one. It's almost like something that you have to do or are expected to be living through. And it's really weird to encounter situations where you're expected to fit into these labels and for the longest time I would put myself in situations I had to um, make myself fit that label because I wanted to belong we all want to feel like we're part of a community and a tribe that accepts us and loves us the way we are Mm -hmm. and a lot of the times in order to get that, we change ourselves, we adapt ourselves, we become smaller, we become less loud, we become less bright, we become more quiet. Less bright, that's what I've been thinking about for the last month. You can be all of you, the loud part, the too much part, the one that wants more, even if you already have a lot. The one that loves craftsmanship, that loves artistry, that loves beautiful things just because. And you still get to be spiritual and speak to the ancestors and open podcasts with ritual. And you also get to make money without feeling guilty about it. Exactly. Oh my God, that is so, so true. And be proud that if you do have it, it's okay. You don't need to be feel ashamed of it because a generation before you or a generation before them or a generation, they probably didn't, you know? So they, they have worked and done what they need to do so that we are here doing what we're doing. So it would be a dishonor and a disservice to be a, a, then to be ashamed of that of them of what they did of what they've built yeah um and and i think this is a new thing for latin american people especially those that come to the uk or to the us or australia or any kind of westernized culture where we feel that we come with privilege as well and we are allowed. Yeah, for the longest time, I, yeah, I felt like I had to be less than, you know, but uh, not anymore. And this is the other thing that is incredibly powerful about um, places where we come from. I feel like creativity is, is a bridge to spirit, you know, and it's like you connect to something so much deeper. And, and that goes, again, beyond race background culture anything you know an artist or anyone who expresses their creativity for me is like you're speaking to spirit that's it like you know I don't need to like question it I'm just like in awe 
observing it and taking it in and kind of going, you're amazing. Hi guys, thank you so much for following along. This is the end of part one. Part two, we'll be mixing both Spanish and English as Caro and I talk about this weird relationship that exists between being from a country or from a region where there is a lot of, where there's a, a big and important indigenous identity and the way this most often than not, gets translated in a distorted way within the UK and the West. It is a part of the conversation that came out purely in Spanglish. And um, apologies for um, the niche language. <laughs> But if you speak both languages, please follow along. It is still very interesting and... I will try to transcribe it so that some people or more of you can tune into it. So thank you and see you soon.